we are back on the Free Range Tales with me as always, my homie, Adrian Lozano. We are back. We are, dude. We are definitely We're here, back. man. Here, cheer, cheers, dude. Oh, you did to, not I forget. To, I need to cheers you really quick because <laughs> haven't been in the studio in a while, but it feels good to be back. Cheers to you, my friend. Yes, sir. What are you sipping on today, man? Well, I noticed in your fridge you had a nice Swami's pizza port, and it was staring at me. That's always a classic, dude. That always gets that gets really? the party started every time. Oh my gosh, warms up my belly. Let's yeah, just nice say that sixteen ounce, good, good flavor. Yeah, they don't make anything kick. smaller than a pint in a sixteen ounce. It's uh, it's meant to to get you there. It's good. I got the uh, Claremont Craft Ales, peppers and peaches, Indian Pale Ale. A little local homage to my hometown, yeah. the town we are in right now, Claremont, California. That dude. is right in your newly remodeled home. Yeah, so we finally got that project done, which is a portion of the fact why we haven't been in the studio recently. Yeah, a little little move go down, but yeah. lots of stuff to cover. We're happy to be back, and actually, just wanted to touch bases on some couple like outdoor news updates and things that are kind of relevant. To, Very important uh, to things going on. So. If you follow sport fishing, you probably have seen this, uh, something that's kind of near and dear to us. We go sport fishing all the time on sport fishing boats, kind of going out there and, and do some fishing. And one of the things that's happening and right charter now, boats. yeah, and charter boats. boats. Yeah. That's kind of the will, big thing is like just big kind of like what they call cattle boats, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of things with like kind of our sport fishing industry in general, um, which this is something we think is kind of important to kind of touch bases on. So there's something going on. It's in sport or gosh, savefishing.com. So I'll repeat that again, but savefishing.com, <laughs> something going on. It says save California sport fishing. And I'll kind of read from, uh, from savefishing.com, just give kind of a quick update. So it's uh, the state mandates new air quality or fuel standards. The regulations apply for, to future production and often many years after into the future. However, in the case of Harbor Crafts, the Newsom administration has proposed regulations that would require sport fishing boats and also provide that whale watching and school science trip to replace significantly or modify existing engines by January 2023. Um, so basically what they're looking to do is to have modify the sport boats, their engines, and for like air quality standards. And so they're going to significantly impact these sport boats that are kind of still recovering from like COVID-19 and Absolutely. Some of the shutdowns and stuff. A lot of the boats... I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this because some of the boats are running kind of limited loads and like, you know, 30 people max, Yeah, which yeah. is kind of nice. Yeah. You get some room it, to breathe. It is nice to get elbow room um, But in, in the corners. You know, this is kind of something that's kind of big to like all the the wharfs and kind of the sport fishing charters that, that happen kind of from San Diego, Dana Point, Newport, all the way through the whole state of California, all the way up through San Francisco. Right, Bay. right. So just going right back to that, even with the limited numbers uh, of these boats, um, this is something completely different. This is not COVID related. This is about the 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 environment, if you will. But what it's really going to do is kind of just shut down all of these boats at once. Um, there's so much money to put into each boat that they they can't afford to do to re rip out the the engine and change exact like entirely how the the boat is ran i mean that's a major overhaul and that's just right now i mean i i can't see how the the fishing is going to survive that yeah they're kind of predicting that within three to six years a lot of the boats that are operating now will be out of business if, if this passes and it goes forward so it's kind of scary something worth kind of looking but i would say go check out savefishing.com and kind of do some research. You can sign a petition to kind of basically tell the the Newsom administration, the, the governor and all the legislators in California that this is you're opposed to this. So they're passing a petition around to say that, hey, this is not something we want to support, that it's going to put a lot of boats out of business. So I want to pay see, attention to. I want to see the the science behind their their motive behind this. And and you know, if that's the case where if these boats are really, really polluting, I mean why are we targeting sport fishing? Look at the cargo ships or the cruise ships or something like that. Like, why are we going after specifically these types of boats? Um, that to me, I just need to see some science behind that. Um, other than that, going past that, the science, let's say that they are incredibly polluting our oceans and our air, then there has to be a different way to go about the change you can't just put your foot down and say by this date everything has to be different and that goes out into the water 
Um, I just, I need to see, you know, there needs to be a better solution and, and I need to see something, some numbers here. This is kind of wild to make such a, a big change. Yeah. And in January, 2023 is not that far off. It's I mean, that's not, less than a year, and a half away. So right. it's, you know, it's whatever, 16 months away. I mean, that's a pretty significant change and it, it would affect these operators that are already running on tight margins already. Right. And a lot of these places are family owned, you know, right. Dana Wharf is family owned, uh, you know, Fisherman's Landing, you know, all those places down in San Diego, H&M, you know, they're all just these, these small operations that right. keep a lot of people in business, but then also do this. And we've barely scratched the surface on this one, but it just was worth bringing up. So check it out. Savefishing.com. Yes. You know, sign do your research if you want to, but do your research. Like I said, we, we need not, to do yeah. our research. We need to fully like investigate this further. But again, it's something worth bringing up and it's something that's near and dear to us. Sport fishing. We love going out. Sport Absolutely. Fishing, so. so if it's near and dear to you, um, you know, definitely want to look into it, guys. Um, another one that's kind of worthwhile bringing up that's kind of a regulatory thing right now is all the national forests actually closed. You August do have 31st. good news for this I, show? Oh, hey, do man, you? this is all news. Okay. This is, it's worth talking. It's worth talking about <laughs> it. This is, this is stuff that affects us. Yeah. You know, and yeah. the reason I bring this one up is because I have a deer tag, yeah. an archery deer tag, that this is going to affect me because I want to go I want to go hunt I'm and I can't go hunt, it, man. <laughs> it's a lot of negative news, yeah. man, but it's worth bringing up. And that's yeah, why I need just to. get to, to engage in it because it's something that these things happen and a lot of times as sportsmen and women you don't really think about it but these things affect you right now they they close the national forest i think it's for a good reason there's a lot of forest fires going on in the state of california they decided to close the national forest to prevent people from going out and potentially starting more fires they feel their resources are strapped the firefighters are all up up north like lake tahoe has been severely affected south lake tahoe right some of the ski resorts are on fire up there it's crazy um, so a lot of resources are getting spread out and they're getting pulled all different directions. So they close the national forest, but the, the, the part that affects us as sportsmen is that archery season started the same weekend that they decided to close everything down, which, you know, I'm torn. I, I don't want to see the forest fires. I hate seeing that happen. You, your forest firefighters are great. There are a lot of those guys are outdoorsmen, sportsmen as well. So they're probably affected by it. Don't worry. But, our government will give you a refund. <laughs> Are they going to refund my tag, man? If I could, you know, our good government will give you a refund. I mean, it's only fair, right? They had to have, they had to have thought this through, you know. No, I, you know, I do, you know, I understand the the criticalness of of the the fires and the potential it's dry and whatnot. But you know, it it's like you said, it's it's kind of tough. I think I. What still drives me crazy about it is it's not like hunters are the ones that are the problem, but these certain emergency stays or holds or whatever that you want to call them. I, I, I mean, they affect, they affect the sportsmen directly first. Um, why not say no off-roading recreational vehicles or something like that? And that might stop the crowds from going up into the forest um you know and it sucks but here's the thing is you now have a, a piece of machinery that could catch on fire um whereas if you're hiking in and hunting you know you're all you you're more conscious and mindful of everything i guess and you're you're gonna make an intentional fire and you're gonna intentionally put it out so I, I just, yeah, it's, it's I, tough. I still it's think tough. that it's, there's a different way to do things. Yeah, it, 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 you know, these blanket kind of emergency orders and, and closures are, are tough. You know, they they affect people and then kind of the sportsmen and the people going out there to to use these spaces. Typically, who are I don't want to say they're they're more responsible, right? But they try to be more responsible. Right. The stewards of the land, and I that, think I you know everybody that that hunts and fishes, you contribute directly to conservation through the funds that you pay for your your tags or your licenses they they fund these areas keep this public land open and i think these things last year it happened about the same time this year it happened again and so you're seeing these closures happen interesting times it affects kind of the the hunting seasons which are you know near and dear to kind of a small percentage of the population but it really affects them you know right. like this right. this closure is going from august 31st to september 17th i have this inkling that they'll extend it i don't want them to because we had plans to go out the following weekend like the end of september to go on a, go on a hunt um so i'm hoping that it that it mellows out it's hot you know but i i get it i understand but it's one of these things and i and again we're we're gorillas we're not the smartest dudes in the world but we like to bring these topics up because they are important they do affect us they affect you public land closures are a big deal so it's something to something to think about absolutely something to think about i mean it, it will 
even if you don't personally hunt and you're listening, uh, but you know someone that does hunt, you know, maybe you can bring it up. Hey, tell me more about this hunt closure or in the forest and or the closure in the national yeah, the forest, forest. Forest closure. And yeah. uh, and how does it, it? Did you buy a deer tag? Did you know? It could just bring up nice topic of conversation for some people that wouldn't ever talk about it. So yeah, no, it's true. It's worth worth bringing up. But and maybe I'm trying opening to maybe up I'll, minds. I'll be de- devil's advocate here just because it's worth worth saying. Close my, it all. My tag. My tag goes all the way <laughs> till December 31st. You better get one. So maybe they should close it until late season. The rifle season ends. So there's some good bucks out there for me when I can go late season. And uh, yep. Maybe and if I'm not there, there, I better get that phone call. Hey, um, <laughs> can you bring your truck up here? I need help. I need help get this thing out of here. I need help. It's that big. Anyways, just want to bring some news to you guys. That's that, you know, I don't want to be negative, Nancy, but there's stuff going on. No, and and not, you know, I was just making a joke earlier. (laughs) You know me, you know me, I'm, I'm Mr. Serious, but, uh, um, but yeah, no, that's very, it's very good to, to bring up and we need to talk about it and open up our minds a little bit to the conversations, you know, of what's happening, what's really happening right now. So contact your local legislator <laughs> live action man get involved get engaged get involved these things do affect us yes because sport fishing we love sport fishing yes sir this year in sport fishing has been beyond Unreal. epic real the, the southern california bite bluefin 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 big bluefin all over the place yeah it's been a wild i mean i thought last year was good and the year before that was good and the year before that was good but I can't believe my eyes, like the volume, the size. Um, Yeah, I just can't believe what is happening this year. And Mr. Jason ticking off bucket list (laughs) fish. Well, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, I think. You inched uh, up your your list. We saw this spring, you know, we were kind of talking. And actually, at our last episode, we had KJ from uh, Mag12 Swimbaits on. And he was saying he kind of had gone out in like, this was like March of 2021. He said, hey, like this year is going to be really good. Right. Like, I've been out on boats and I'm, we're seeing signs of bluefin already. It's going to be really good. And then April and May and fish were just showing up and the boats were going off. As soon as the boats kind of started their season, you know, some like start in March, some start in April. Some of the boats kind of longer range, those two days, three day boats, putting up huge numbers huge. on bluefin, like limits of bluefin for the entire boat for like two day limits, three day limits, just going off with like weights up to 220 or something, you know, like big fish, big fish and like consistent numbers of big fish. Maybe it wasn't just like one or two. It was like the boat getting fish over 80 pounds, like consistently. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of saw that. And, uh, of course it wet our pallets to get out on the water. So, um, we booked a trip and got out. Yes. Yes, we did. Uh, we got out on the Aztec out of San Diego, Seaforth, right? Yeah, Seaforth Landing. Seaforth. Yeah, yeah. Seaforth, the Aztec sport fishing, great boat. Captain great Greg. Captain Captain Greg is amazing. Um, we had heard good things about the boat, hadn't been out on the boat, but wanted to go check it out. And knowing that there was good volumes of fish, I think you hit me up too. You were like, dude, there's a spot open. Like, let's go. Let's go. And so we booked it and went out. And it was just an overnight trip. That was all we kind of had the uh, the ability to get out on. But it was an overnight trip. The fish were close in, so they were in range of overnight boats and you could get on it and get some action yeah basically at this time i think they're around uh san Clemente island area yeah and even maybe a little further south so i think we were fishing kind of down like we ended up going about we went further south than what they planned yeah yeah 60 60 some odd miles south of of point loma yeah there you go down into mexico kind of ensenada if you really kind of were to break it down yeah now okay now i remember that yeah uh, yeah we went further than we expected so when you know we kind of had geared up and we had kind of brought some some heavy setups you know that was basically like the captains were saying like leave your bass fishing gear at home like don't bring it like don't bother don't fish anything less than 40 was like yeah you know 40 pound line test you know 40 pound leaders was like the lightest yeah and so you know we motor out overnight we get the kind of the the hype speech from captain greg and he's like look like we're gonna get there at nighttime. we're gonna give you a night bite like get your you know shiny jigs ready and fish kind of flat falls, deep flat falls, like 300 feet, 400 feet, like get those flat falls deep. But he's like, if you're going to do that, fish nothing less than 80 pounds. He's like, don't even, if it doesn't have 80 pounds, like don't, don't even touch it. Like fish 80, fish 100, fish 130, like put your big setups down and and do that. Uh, So we kind of followed suit. You know, I was fishing 80 pound. I got a nice 80 pound setup. I think you have a hundred pound. Yep. Um, Put some flat falls down and 
you know, I think we got out to the fishing grounds about, it was, we got there early. It was like probably like one o'clock. I think there was out people out fishing. Like we were on the grounds. Yeah. Like 1am. I kind of stayed in bed. I was like, wasn't I ready did yet. Too. I, I was kind of waiting for someone to holler and right. shout. And like, I was kind of like, well, it's going to be a long day. I'm going to kind of like stay in the bunk for a little bit longer. Uh, I think it was about three, three, about three thirty, something yeah. like that. I kind of heard more like feet, you know, kind of stomp around the bunk rooms and stuff. And so kind of hopped up threw the boots on and, and hit the deck and, we got out there there was boats all over the place you know this is where the fish were you could yeah. see kind of boat lights spread out throughout the whole zone that we were in um and yeah and then started, you started, started hearing some, you started hearing some screams <laughs> but yeah we started started kind of flat falling for a while and just kind of sending some jigs down yeah. and then there was like a couple guys hooking up yep. you know on our on our boat you know with flat falls um that taddy tsp uh jig that taddy lures came out with was a hot hot yep. ticket yep. hot ticket um the long stick jigs yeah like knife jigs the knife jigs there you go knife jigs are amazing those yeah, those, those things working were well. working you know sitting flat i was sitting flat falls down yeah me too you know didn't have any luck you know on on the the night night bite you know did there was, you I think it was bumped? Did no, you get bumped no maybe i did i can't remember like you know i was just like wasn't having any luck and was kind of getting yeah. gassed you know like holding that that big rod big reel with a big heavy jig that you're sitting down to 300 350 400 feet and then cranking, and then just it, cranking back up. it up and trying to just you know that's like the technique right just just flat falling and sitting yeah, it down rough. and so did that for about three hours and just was like already sore and tired didn't have any luck i think there was about five or six guys that hooked up on some some relatively big fish yeah there was one guy that was on a fish for like over three hours or something yeah like yeah three hours or something did a like couple that. laps around the boat yeah and it turned out to be a big one over 200 yeah you got a cow cow on board but big. uh you know what once we we did the flat falling for a while which is which is fun and that's a great way to do the night bite probably the only way to do the night bite but then as soon as the, the, the kind of gray light the sun started to come up it was gray light and the captain kind of came down and said hey if you guys have been jigging and haven't had any luck like why don't you switch over to uh to sinker rig which is a big torpedo like a 10 ounce eight ounce torpedo sinker with a leader and a live bait you know pin pin a sardine on there and uh send it down and send it down kind of in that same zone you know that like right 200 250 300 foot that's zone. where he was marking them yeah that, yeah and he was calling that. it out kind of how many fathoms how how many feet it was yep and so decided after kind of flat falling for a couple hours and with no luck and kind of getting bummed out but <laughs> yeah. and tired i was like let's change it up and went to sinker rig and uh about the third drop uh, got down in kind of the zone or what I thought was a zone. And I was kind of going deeper. I was just like, I'm just going to keep sending it down there and just slowly stop it, check it out, see if anything happens, send it down a little bit more, stop it, see what happens. And then uh, uh -huh. all of a sudden, line started ripping off my my reel. You know, just like it was taking drag. It wasn't just a sardine and a torpedo anymore. There was something bigger on there. And so some line just was a kind of peeling off my, uh, off my reel. Uh, slid it into gear and... Uh, more line kept coming off and got that thing and said, oh, I'm on, dude. It's yep. happening. Yep. And I think you were standing right next to me, too, yeah. which was yeah. cool. It was fun. Yeah. Fun to do that. And uh, yeah, man, just kind of like got to actually do the rail rod technique and uh, fight that fish. And I think I landed that fish in like 20, 25 minutes, yeah, something like that. Yeah, pretty quick. 20 put, the, minutes. put the wood to that thing yeah, and kind of really, you know, did the rail rod technique, got low, laid the, the rod, which has kind of a hyperlon, like a really thick rubber which is on like the the forefront yeah. of the, the like a hand pad yeah but and it's give, meant for yeah, putting it, meant, it on the rail meant for the rail uh united composites shout out good 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 stuff man good gear yeah united composites with the okuma makara 20 yeah. um really put the wood to that fish and i could even you know, say that's a good rod <laughs> i could definitely say that got that thing landed and i think at that time there was about five fish on the boat maybe six fish on the boat all over 100 pounds yeah you know, easy over 100 pounds and that one one cow that was over over two you know kind of low twos but yep. got that thing on the boat and then i you know fought that fish for a while i think i did like one lap around the boat um kind of got the fish settled in started getting it into death circles and uh you know, took three gaffs and got that thing over the rails and on the boat. And I was like, and we had set the goal. We both, we had talked about it. It's getting a hundred pounder. We wanted a hundred pounder. hundred pounder. And uh, surpassed that mark, man. It was just like frothing. And it was like, you know, whatever, 730 in the morning or something like that. It just was yeah, frothed it was still very early. Super frothed. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy trip. And then uh, later on, you ended up hooking up again. Uh, yeah, man. I, had, I think I stopped and had a beer or two and kind of just chilled out and kind of was like feeling riding high off that one fish. And then did the same thing. Sinker rig just sent the sinker rig back down, retied. And I think it was about, you know, 
five or six drops after, you know, like yeah. that, after that next set, when I started kind of dropping it back down. Different just, spot though. Right? Yeah. I think we moved spots yeah, we too. Moved. Yeah. Yeah. We moved, we motored to another spot and we started marking fish again. And, uh, yep. guys were landing fish, but they were kind of a little smaller grade and then sent one down and, uh, same thing, just kind of like sent it down, kept sending it, kept sending it, just to let it get down to like 300 plus feet. And all of a sudden line just started ripping off the reel slid it into gear and was back on again you, you had the the good bait selection that <laughs> yeah day. that's and that's what it comes down to you know we've we've talked about that yeah, before yeah. just bait selection really finding a good swimmer i you know i really have focused on stopping in like spending time at the bait tank mm -hmm. and really looking for a good looking bait that's swimming it looks fresh it looks good yeah and just taking my time because i like sometimes you get into like you go into like panic mode trying just to just grab one yeah. just to get out there yeah yeah, yeah. And it really like i've kind of started to pay attention and yeah really focus on picking a good bait and it's paid off um especially on that one because it was basically like a twin and i i think i fought that one for about 10 minutes and yeah you know it was i was having fun and i was like dude like we talked about like getting these big fish i knew it was another big fish and i was like i saw you i said adrian like dude come fight this thing and so i had passed the rod to you and let you uh seal the deal on that dude how, how was it dude i just it, it's, it's pretty unreal landing those big fish right it's i just, mean i fought it for like 40 minutes and so it was it was crazy how it was a smaller fish than the one you brought in and it took longer to bring in like more than double the time this was angry it was you know? super pissed off it tangled up like seven or eight lines <laughs> but to be fair i couldn't do anything about it this wasn't one of those mistakes of the angler and the captain did tell them to reel up he did he did he said that this is the last fish to get on the boat and then we're gonna go home because we're late already <laughs> and uh and once we get this fish up we're heading home so reel them in guys and no one decided to reel in on that side of the boat well, what's this that's the interesting thing like on like you know when you're rail rod fishing so like you know you you're using the rail you're using your rod against the rail and so to apply leverage against these fish so you're using yeah. that big heavy boat to kind of help lift the fish yeah but it's very intimate like you're not using a, i think you had a harness on you were using it kind of on your waist just yeah. to kind of like so you're not stabbing yourself in the nuts or something you know like but i was majority of the time i had the, yeah, the rod underneath my my armpit underneath the armpit or i have that belt the fighting belt or whatever and that's nice for when you have to move up and down the rail and or if you just need a break from being you know down on a knee because you're you're using the rail so you have to get like really low so you know i just have it as an option but yeah it helps yeah and it i mean helps. like it's kind of it's like it's hand-to-hand -hand combat dude when it really is those things, man it's in, in that thing like i was laughing those fish weighs almost as much as i do and uh you know like it's crazy it's wild dude and you They're know landing so strong. Those fish, man it was amazing and there was some some good fish i think the boat ended up landing like 20 of them something like that that day yeah I wanna, something like yeah, that 2022 yeah. something like that i can't yeah. remember exact numbers but um that's what it was was big big bluefin that was the whole a day good trip that was a good trip and again shout out to captain greg he was uh he was pretty good it was cool because he kind of coached you through like the end the landing of your fish when you had the fish kind of settled and it was kind of in its what they call like death circles where they kind of like are, are spiraling towards the boat yeah and he was kind of coaching you through like keeping the rail on the keeping the rod on the rail well i think what really brought him down to help was the fact that my fish went, went and did that circle and tangled up all of those lines so he came down and was just like, I told them to reel up their lines, <laughs> cut them. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's crazy because, you know, in those moments, those fish are doing what they want. Like yeah. you're trying to kind of tame them and kind of try to do stuff, but they're doing what there they want. There is no controlling them. And you got to kind of like really like, you want them to settle into the fight. But when you've got 30 other anglers on the boat and everyone's trying to get fish, some guys are throwing down jigs. Some guys are throwing down sinker rigs. Everyone's just dropping their lines in the water. Some guys know what they're doing. Some guys don't know what they're doing. Um, and so you just get this like cluster and sometimes you kind of ended up in a cluster where there was six or seven lines just all tangled up. I was in the front of the boat. I was all the way, in yeah, the all front, the way at the bow. Yeah. My fish did this huge circle and kind of like took off towards the back of the boat and then just came back underneath the boat and they, grabbed everybody's they line. They were screwed. <laughs> they were screwed. It, it, there was a bird nest that got brought up after. Yeah. And the deckhands, I, I do. I always say it. The deckhands are amazing, dude. They, dude, they're dude, really they good. They coach you through it. They help you through the process. And again, Greg, you know yeah and I, I thought it was cool coaching, that he came down and he, coaching when you had that that fish in those the, the quote-unquote death circles where the, you're kind of spiraling the fish up right 
and it's kind of like and it's lasting and it's still putting up a fight, but you got to kind of like finish it. And that's where a lot of things go wrong. You know, that's where like yeah. that heartbreak happens sometimes. Cause there's like, there's like you said, there's other lines in the water. There's just so much you can rub against the boat. Like you just never know. And so you got to really pay attention. And he was kind of like coaching you through, wasn't it? Like he was telling you like, so he was telling me when to reel, because again, since you, like you explained, you have the rail or the, you're using the rail as like a stopper for the rod. Um, so basically what you're doing is when the, when the fish, using the boat going up and down and you're using when the fish gets close to you so when it's going away from you you can't bring in any line like you can't reel anything in because it's just dead weight so you let it you just wait until it actually does the circle and comes back to you when it comes back to you that's when you reel in and also you use the up and down of the boat if there's swell so you you use the swell as you go up and you don't it'll reel. lift it'll lift the fish for it'll you lift it up and then as you go down on the swell that's when you reel down yeah so, when you're falling back into the trough just reel up that but just slack. the way he was talking to me in that moment it was very calm and he wasn't yelling at me <laughs> and that really helped like like I'm, i mean you know i've just seen it in videos or been there on the boat and seen other guys you know kind of other captains or deckhands kind of get a little frustrated with the angler that doesn't know what they're doing, but they have all the gear. You know what I mean? And I'm one of those. I still am learning what to do in that situation. So I was all ears. Um, I mean, he could have yelled at me and I'm still going to listen. But <laughs> it was just nice that he was like, all right, cool. Like, don't reel right now. Yeah, you don't want to reel right now. Just the way he was talking, the way he came off was really cool. Yeah, dude, it was so, it was awesome because I was right there too. I had a vested yeah. interest in that fish being landed. You well, know, yeah, I wanted it, it to... was your rod, your, your bait, <laughs> your reel. And if it went overboard, then you're going to throw, throw me overboard. <laughs> you're so. going with it. Yeah. You're going to go dive after it. But yeah, it was, it was a great trip, man. A lot of fun, dude. It was, uh, it was an epic one. And, you know, we got out on some other trips that didn't pay off. You know, both of us got out on, on other trips that didn't have that same luck, but there's right. still a lot of, a lot of fish out there. Shout out to Andrew Ayala. He landed like, I landed the, that big fish and then he went out and landed like a, what a 185, 186, something like that. 190 i don't yeah. even know it was a big fish it was it was up close to two or 200 uh they didn't scale it but judging by the pictures i mean it's like it's almost a and, six it, foot long fish in his story we'll have to have him on again to kind of tell that story yeah. because he kind of the way he's got he got a good one way he described it is he was working all day and getting frustrated but he never gave up he was using a knife jake he used it all day well, like, he was lucky because he went on the trip with the guy who either makes these knife jigs or sells them and so he was like, yeah, I have a couple extra if you want to buy them. So, you know, Bondrew bought one and used it and that fish bent it. Yeah, it bent the whole knife jig, dude. We'll post a picture. If he'll, if, I'll give him a shout out see if he to. can't, if Got he can't to. let us yeah. post a picture. But it was pretty cool because he literally put in 10 hours on the rail using that knife jig Mm -hmm. going down to 300 400 feet and like I was tired after like Bottom three of the hours, night. dude, and he got it like literally the last the last stop of the day and it was like he fought that fish and like you know landed it and it was you know but it was at the end of the day dude they were ready yeah. to call it a day and he hooked it up yep yep so, and it was the biggest one on the boat that day amazing dude yeah and it was like three or four days after our trip yeah it was like you know and we were all hyped and like pumped up middle of the did, week and it, he was just like yeah he was all pumped all pumped <laughs> that you you know you you got your 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 big fish and you know you got two of them you limited out that day i mean that's that was sick and then he got pumped up and he's like, I'm going to book. I'm going to book like on Wednesday. Like, You're crazy, dude. You're crazy. Oh, I love it, though. I love it. He gets me all excited every time he goes out. Yeah. And, and, that, then, and then so he and I went on a trip. Uh, Andrew and I went on a trip, uh, what, two months ago or something? Yeah, you had like a two day. Yeah, we went on a on a chartered trip on CL, CML Jigs, chartered a trip on the Fury. So back out on the Fury, which we've talked about in the past. Yeah, that was really good. So um, I lost two bluefin. Um, one almost spooled me. <laughs> <laughs> you using that bass gear, dude? You yeah. did, didn't want to listen. No, to no, no. The one that almost spooled me was on my my Avid reel. My but that's a big, that's the dude. Like it's hard. Like you got to use the the big gear, dude. This this year, yeah. You I, didn't know what you're gonna hook. Whether I, it was gonna be a twenty pounder or a freaking two hundred exactly, pounder. Exactly. It was wild. Exactly. And, and they all were in the same groups, man. It just tells me I need more more fishing gear yeah that's Dang right it. that's every time i go out i'm like yeah i need a new rod we'll I see new reel. It, you know it, it bar, i burned my drag i burned <laughs> my drag again so 
Well, dude, that was an epic trip. That's yeah, why good stuff. we were talking about save sport fishing because we love it and we enjoy it all the time. And if we don't save it, then we can't talk on this podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know what, dude? That was I was so enthralled. Cooler break. I need, yeah, I need another beer. So let's grab one and we'll be right back. All right, we are back. Beers are cold and full. Yeah, still sipping on the same thing. I, I liked the first one, the Claremont Craft Ales, peppers and peaches so much that I went back for another. I'm not going to change the one I, I dance with, you know? <laughs> not today. You swami. Yeah. You swami, swami. I drank some beer last night, so I'm trying to take it easy. Yeah, you got to <laughs> Not mix it up a little, a little get crazy in my stomach. Oh, I know what you mean, man. I know what you mean. Woo! Um, yeah, dude. So we just kind of, you know, recapped a couple that, that epic trip on the Aztec, big bluefin. Uh, we went on a couple other trips. I went out with Captain Bly again, you know, went out there. It was kind of a tough day of fishing. Yes, sir. Um, didn't hook up. I hooked up a bluefin, fought it for a minute and had some failure. It was a not failure, which is like heartbreak in bluefin fishing is like it's when it's your fault. It was a knot that I tied. Yeah. Didn't double check it. Didn't get the knot right. Mm-hmm. bluefin test your gear broke off lost the hook classic story reeled in just into my line and was just like damn it dude yeah heartbreak classic story right yeah there. heartbreak classic story of when boy meets bluefin <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm tempted to get back out on another another trip here locally and, and get out there but uh you know we got out on some some epic trips this this summer it was just it was a fun-filled summer you know really good yeah, it was really good. Um, I learned the same thing. I, I did the same thing with that fish that I almost got spooled on. Um, it broke at my connector knot from the mono uh, to the floral. And uh, yeah, I, I had told Bly, I called him about it. I'm like, dude, ah, I broke off a blue fin. It almost spooled me. It was definitely, it was a good fish. And yeah, um, he was like, well, what, what knot did you use? You know? And I was like, well, I used the uni to uni. And I knew he was going to rip me apart right when I said it. I was like, damn it. I knew I messed up. So he was like, never use that knot for a connector. Just use the surgeon's. Surgeon's knot. So it's basically like two overhand knots, you know, on the same loop. Um, and yeah, I I learned a lot from that one. <laughs> I, burnt, I'm, I burned up my Lexa drag again on that one, too. Um, and then a seal got my, my tuna like 20, 30 feet from the boat. <sighs> learned a lot. But then the next day I got two yellowtail. Const- yeah. Const- dude, constellation. constellation prizes. Dude, yellowtails yeah. are epic. I haven't got a yeah. yellowtail this year. It's been all about bluefin, but, uh, I'm hoping to get out and get, get some right now, whether I got to go to Mexico or what, I don't know where I got to go to get one, but I'm going to go get one. And, uh, I must say I had, I got my coworker to try fish for the first time and I did yellowtail in uh huli huli sauce on the smoker we have a uh, we have a, a have a winner a, a, yeah, actually let's, just, let's do it really quick what's what's your recipe on that one dude? oh dude just huli huli sauce um which you can get at like cost plus world market right that's where our, that's the only store i know of that you can walk into and buy it um the only other place i've seen it is amazon or just go find it online but huli huli is is the the marinade um h-u-l-i um twice a huli huli and uh yeah man that's i i I just leave the the yellowtail in there for a minimum of an hour um it's kind of best if you do it for a little bit longer but Uh, what what temp are you doing it at um i will run the smoker at about 225 it depends on you know size of the fish or whatever well yeah and what size i cut the the pieces or also it depends on when we want to eat right so on your on your smoker you just you know depending on the pellets and that all that fun stuff and whatever if you guys are using real wood you know it depends on the type of wood you're using and how hot you got it and all that but basically have a couple of tester pieces and you'll know when your fish is done you know just kind of split one of those you're just kind of cooking it all the way through so you if you do it at 225 how long are you doing it for typically? um it'll take a about two hours two hours about two hours at 225 if I go to like 275, it'll take about an hour. 
Um, and anything over that, I need to check it like at 30 minutes. You're doing that with, with yellowtail and you're doing, are you doing skin on or skin off? Uh, skin off. So I basically just cut them up into like nugget size pieces. Cause that's just the best for, um, the amount of, uh, flavor on the outside for smoke and for the marinade. Kind of like strips soak. of it. Yeah. 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 Almost like, uh, fish nuggets, like, like chicken strips, Yeah, yeah. but fish and, but even like if you were to take, you know, strips are pretty long here now, you know? Uh, cut those in half. So basically, like bite sti- bite size nuggets, like two inch or two bite nuggets. You know, yeah. Um, that that allows the marinade to really soak it in the marinade yeah, for a while and yeah. get, it, get it to like and absorb. then the cook time. You know, so yeah. it's not so thick and not so long that that it's gonna cook forever. And uh, yeah, so it's nice great yellowtail re- huli huli smoked. Great sounds great delicious. results from it so awesome, far. Dude. As far as the the taste buds on people, you know, it's they really like that. It's good stuff. Try, try one of my one favorites, out. man. Um, by far, one of my favorites for yellowtail. Nice, dude. Because yellowtail is a robust flavor. It, I mean, they they tend to have a more... Uh, well, it's the blood that makes them taste uh, pretty strong. So if you're not trimming it right with all the blood off, you know, the the huli huli sauce is a good... Uh, it's a good uh, fog screen for for that flavor to kind of. <laughs> well, yellowtail is so you know? diverse too, man. I mean, it, it really you can eat it raw. It's delicious. You One of my favorites. It delicious. It's it's our best game fish here, which we've been fortunate enough to get a bunch of them and mm-hmm. try out different recipes and stuff. But I think like the thing, like I was like just kind of transitioning a little bit, is uh, this year was all about like the first right knocking off those big fish, and had like the other fish species that we were after trying to. Uh, well, for you knocking out. off your, your big fish. <laughs> I'm still waiting on my big fish. <laughs> I do know. I got to knock that one off and then got to knock off another species too that was on my hit list. I got a couple more. Lincod. Lincod, man. <sighs> Dude. Yeah. That that is a fish on my list too. Yeah, it's epic. They're here locally, but I I couldn't do do it here locally. So I went to a, a magical place of uh the state of Alaska and took a trip up there and went and uh Got it done on some lingcod. Got it done on a bunch of different fish, but that place is uh, place is unreal, man. It's you, a, you can pretty much almost write a book with your experiences on Alaska by now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, gosh, you got to make you got to you got to illustrate this for us and, and for the listeners. Like, let us know what it's like up there. Just give me your experience. Uh, you've been going like four or five years or four or five times now. Um, g- give me your, your, your pregame. What do you do beforehand? I mean, you guys have obviously a dialed in system up there because you've been doing it so long. Uh, what, what do you go through before you go? You know, what, what type of preparation do you do? Um, what type of clothes do you take? You know, I, I think you've already told us what type of boats you're on. You're on the like aluminum boats that, that ha- kind of have a pilot house and, kind of gets you some protection from the weather and it's got an open back stern of the boat that is a great platform for fishing and whatnot but you know bring us into the to the intimate details of alaska bro (laughs) oh your bait selection like i mean it's got to change because when we go fishing here and we change up the species you fish completely different so let us know the details let give us your prep yeah How do you man, prep? alaska is a is a very unique place i mean they consider it the last frontier and i i would second that dude i think it's definitely a place for being especially from southern california yes i do a lot of outdoor stuff i got the sierra mountains which are you know bar none some of the best mountains in the world you mm-hmm. know like you got mount whitney you got some just amazing high country high alpine exposure that you can get yourself into and we explore that but then when you go to alaska i don't think that you can understand how big it truly is it's just massive everything there is big everything there's a lot of exposure it's just it's a big big place and when you're flying in and there's glaciers you know we go in the summertime you know the the goal of the it's a it's a meat harvest it's a fishing trip that's what we're going up there to do um fortunate enough to link up with uh, some of my dad's buddies that had been going up there for years like they kind of old fishing buddies they would do trips all over the world they'd go down to mexico go to Central America, South America, they kind of travel and go fish. That's what they do. Oh, so they live, huh? Yeah, they, they, they <laughs> definitely, they they definitely live. live. And uh, what they do is uh, they basically, 
they they they've been going up there for like 10 years i think okay and what they did when they were there was like they kind of wanted to go like salmon and halibut fishing and so the first year they went up there one of the guys like they you know found so they went to fred hall and hooked up with like a uh guide service up there and there was like a halibut guide service and so they went up there and the first year they were up there caught a 256 pound halibut oh yeah like they're screwed. trophy dude they're trophy. screwed after that so On your first trip their first trip up there and so it was kind of like my dad's boys and they went up there and they get get into a bunch of halibut and catch a 256 pounder just like trophy and they're like all right we're hooked we were coming back and so they kind of started to figure it out around like you know you plan it for halibut tides so halibut like to to feed at slack tide so you can like look at the tides and figure out when the tides are going to be the best and plan your trip if you're a dedicated halibut fisherman you can plan your trips around the best tides and you can look at it where there's not big tidal swings because the tidal swings up there are like 30 40 feet and then so much water moves and we can we'll talk about that a little bit more but so they started kind of figuring out like good halibut tides and we're going to go during this time and so then they started to kind of get into like salmon fishing and salmon is kind of just an amazing resource up there it's hard to kind of but like completely different ball game. completely different ball game and then and the way the salmon work up there is like the different species of salmon spawn at different times and so they they go out in the ocean they live their life in the ocean and then they come back to the exact lake that they were born in yeah. to then spawn again and that's it's like amazing so it's like an amazing the numbers of fish are is, is unreal that and, happens. and so you're catching them before they spawn or after before so when they're moving from ocean to back to the lake, to the lake. and we kind of interject in between you Ooh. know on, on a river and so what happens is like they started to figure out like okay what kind of salmon do we like there's there's different kind of there's king salmon pink salmon there's pink salmon silver. silver salmon and then there's there's red salmon or sockeye salmon. oh yeah sockeye and sockeye is kind of to me is one i just of the, like the, saying that name yeah, sockeye. sockeye salmon and sockeye <laughs> salmon are they're about a you know anywhere from like a six to twelve pound salmon okay and really rich red delicious meat mm. and they kind of figured out my dad's buddies kind of figured out like sockeye is like the jam like that's what everybody in alaska wants is sockeye salmon and so like they went on a couple times like focused on silver salmon which run in like august i thought it was king salmon that everyone wants and kings king salmon are great and we like the kings run about the same time that the sockeye do okay but they started to dial in the sockeye run and we're like we're gonna figure out when the sockeye run is and they started to dial it in and it's almost it's so cyclical that you could dial it into like the day definitely the week and so they figured out the week that the sockeye salmon run is and started to kind of schedule their trip and so the first time i got in invited about six seven years ago it was like they had figured out the right week of the salmon run wow and then like when i showed up they had kind of like the gear right like they knew what to do and for the gear it's like you use like an eight weight fly rod and uh for just as specifically salmon speaking like you know that's kind of like the gear that we bring up there is like salmon gear you need waders right so, so it's an eight pound rod eight, eight no, weight. i'm just kidding yeah, eight, just kidding. yeah <laughs> eight weight fly fishing so rod. It's, a, it's a thicker heavier yeah, heavier, heavier rod, duty like a salmon fly fishing setup, not like right? your typical little fly rod that is catching trout right no exactly you need something with a little backbone to it because these fish again they're you know that six to twelve pound but these fish are you know they're swimming they're going with yeah, the river yeah. they're swimming so, up river oh up river they're swimming so. up river to get back to the lake that they were born in that's gnarly and so as they're doing this they're transforming and so you've probably seen it like a red salmon when they tr fully transform they got that big the hook, jaw hook jaw they're red yeah. like really yeah. red they go to like a red green and they got like a hump on their back yep and so when we catch them they're about they're a few miles from the the mouth of the the ocean where the mouth of the river where it dumps into the ocean so they're very pretty fresh and okay. so they're like swimming up up river but they have to swim against this current if you fell in this river you'd be 100 yards down river like instantly it's moving dude this thing's got places to go that's crazy and so it's moving and these fish swim against it and you know what they do they call it salmon flossing and so this you use this eight weight is, is that a dance fly rod yeah salmon okay. flossing yeah yeah okay. i'll describe it to you because you're wearing full waders you get in about knee deep water these fish aren't swimming in the middle of the river they're swimming kind of close to the bank and again that's to preserve energy i heard only long... suckers wear full length uh, waders dude <laughs> i heard like you can get it done with hip waders well my dad did hip waders years and years and years <laughs> okay. and so there's boats you know going up and down because there's like a king salmon okay trips happening okay so he was wearing hip waders he didn't want to invest in full waders which i thought ah. was crazy so he was wearing hip waders and every time the boat would come their wake would kick up waves on the there and you're standing again in like need need a waist deep water so hip waders going to your hips he had his margin of error for getting water in those things was so slim and 
every time we were on the river, the, a boat would come by and you'd see my dad backing up. He'd trip, he'd fall, he'd fucking get wet, and that was it, dude. Game <laughs> over, dude. And he'd just, Or the wake would just go up and over his hip waders. But it can be done. We'd get back to the truck after, and <laughs> he would be take his hip waiter off and just dump out like a bucket of water, dude, every time. And okay. so for his birthday, before we went back another year, I bought him some some waders. Amy and I bought him some waders because he needed them. So What a good son. He's set, he's set up now. He's set up. He's dialed. But awesome. yeah, you need some waders. You get in the water, and you use that, that eight-weight fly rod. You have a weight on the end of it um you use like a circle like three quarter ounce weight that's like circle and you tie about a three foot leader and you put a, a fly on the end of it and probably it's like a one-aught hook so you're not actually whipping this like a normal no, you're fly not doing rod. traditional it's Holy weighted crap. and so the fish what they I had do no idea the fish is they swim upstream they stage in these little gravel beds and when they stage in these gravel beds you kind of figure out where these gravel beds are and that's what that weight does. And you can feel the weight kind of hopping along the bottom. I had no idea you put a weight on there. Yeah, you put it. It's about a three quarter ounce weight and you you bounce it along the bottom. And when you're bouncing along the bottom, you do I kind of do a cast where I cast out at like 10 and I only have about 12 feet of line out from the end of the rod, you know, maybe like a rod's length, nine, 12 feet of, of rod like or of line of out. Line. Yeah. Then I have a three foot leader and on the end of that leader is a fly with like a little feather and it's about a one aught, maybe a two aught hook. And you bounce that weight along the bottom and you can feel it bouncing along the gravel bed. And when you feel it bouncing, you go, I cast out about 10, 10 o'clock. And then when it gets to about two o'clock, you floss or you basically pull through. And what traditionally happens is the fish are swimming upstream, they're moving their mouth. And so when you do that, you're basically pulling your leader through their mouth and then hooks that hook, hooks them in the corner of the mouth. And so when you hook them in the corner of the mouth, that fish, like it's like walking a dog because they're going through that transformation of their, their jaws changing. Yeah. And supposedly the jaw is like numb. And so they feel it when that thing hooks them, but they don't react. They don't like go crazy. Like they just know they're hooked, but they kind of don't really react. It's weird. And so when you hook them right, it's like walking a dog and you walk the you walk that fish back to shore and you have a net and your your buddy your partner has a net and you can net the fish and you know you're allowed That's three crazy. fish a day but the crazy thing is is if you foul hook them which meaning you hook them in the the, the stomach in the side or in the side in the back in the fin or whatever those fish go nuts and they jump and they pull you out to the middle of the river they just rip a bunch of drag off odds of you landing it, it does happen where you land them you're supposed to, you're technically supposed to let him go. If you foul hook him, you got to right. let him go. Right. It's just not, that's like a part of the rules, which is kind of crazy because you've got boats out in the middle of the ocean, like netting and just like going right. crazy. And as like a non-resident coming to Alaska, you're allowed three fish a day and you have to freaking snag this thing. And you, you know, that's it. But it's, it's so, it's fun. It's really sporting to do, but that's like the salmon thing. So preparation for that is you got to have waders. You got to get eight weight fly rod these weights it's really simple so do you have to buy a separate tag for salmon um no the or salmon just the part of the salmon fishing? come with the fishing license so it just comes okay. but the, the the resources in alaska are, are so well managed i mean it's it's pretty amazing but this this year seems like it yeah this year like we uh you know you're talking about weather i mean we had days where it was 75 and sunny and just no wind at all and amazing and then another day like the next day it would be 40 and raining and cold and windy and just like bitter cold and you're like what the hell so you're wearing like a rain jacket yeah you got i've got grundin's rain gear and bring that to go out on the halibut boats and uh that full you know you need like quality rain gear yeah. because you're gonna get wet and you know you you, you have a cheap jacket or something you're getting soaked through and yep. that's it so you gotta but, go with the, like a rubber style yeah i go with like the rubber pvc yeah coated stuff and so this year we were lucky enough we did a what you'd consider a long range trip alaskan style long range trip and so it motored from we we're in the cook inlet is where we'll do like where we go halibut fishing and we motored to a spot that's uh kind of open ocean like out of cook inlet and it wraps into like where kind of like there's these like it's rocks and so we were going to go like rock fishing and we were going to target yellow eye and lingcod and rockfish to kind of break up the the halibut you know right. fishing is so fun but right. we wanted to kind of break it up and try to get another kind of mixed bag of fish and lingcod's been a target of mine for a long long time and so it was i was super hyped to go link cod fishing so you speared one uh yeah, yeah I, I would love to do that yeah. i'd love to do that especially the size of fish that we were after too you know we're targeting some bigger fish yeah and uh so to do these long range trips it's really hard you know like you got to go got to go 90 miles and to go 90 miles in alaska on a 30 foot boat is pretty tricky because the weather has to be just right 
Oh, and yeah. so like we lucked out on the day that we had booked a long range trip with this guide, you know, the weather was the calm seas, no wind and 75 and sunny. And so it allowed us to go 90 miles. Like there's days where we only go like 15 miles and it's like, you get your ass kicked, you know, it's like yeah. six foot seas. And yeah. we had, we had days like that this year going halibut fishing, but we were only going 15, 20 miles from, from the launch. And, but this day we went 90 miles, we went down to this place, the um, beautiful location and what, you know, what, what were the coordinates of that place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> um, no, it was amazing, man. And just, you know, these big rock, rock cliffs, 90 foot rock cliffs that drop straight into the ocean. And okay. just that's where we were fishing right there. And uh, we actually this year wanted to use some jigs to go because we knew we were going link cod fishing. So we wanted to get some jigs. And so shout out to uh, KJ over at Mag 12 Swim Baits. That's right brought some we had him on the show not too long ago and uh used some of his baits he was kind of hyping them up for for everything and lingcod was one of them and he even even talked about going yeah. to alaska and yeah. using for halibut in lingcod and so we used them and we're using kind of those big tube baits and uh you know you send it down we were fishing in like 200 250 feet of water mm -hmm. you send it down and you start to bounce that jig on the bottom and you can use use big lead heads with like grub tails you know big, sure something big you know and you need like 12 ounce 16 ounce we were using 16 ounce to get that jig down and then you just kind of jig it along the bottom and those lingcod are like just ultimate predators man they something comes in their zone they're not happy and they swallow those things man they attack it and you just feel like you can feel the hit like it's like boom you're on and it's like anything that you're fishing on the bottom you want to get it up off the bottom quick. as quick as you can because okay. you, they'll, they'll drag you. If you give them a little drag into a hole, anything, they'll drag you in a hole and then just break you off. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, you hook up and it's like, Oh dude. And you just got to kind of like, and it like almost pulls the rod out of your hands, like into the water. You right. know, like when we got into some, like, I would say they're probably like 40 pound fish, you know, Jesus. something like that. 45, maybe it's big. Um, and so when it hits, it's like, boom. And it like wants to pull it out of your hand and you just got to kind of like, get in there and when you yank it back up you kind of set the hook in them and then you just got to crank and the link cod are interesting because they fight kind of hard at the start and they fight their whole way up but it kind of like is just dead weight as yeah. you start to pull it up yeah the most rockfish yeah and uh so we got a couple good link cod got a, one of our guys on the trip got a huge yellow eye like one of the biggest yellow it was like a trophy dude like the guy should have mounted this thing dude it was a massive yellow eye Jeez. um a bunch of these black rock cod like amazing good tasting fish um, and then we got a bunch of halibut too on the jig, which was fun. And the jigging with halibut's fun too. Like, you know, you just kind of bounce it on the bottom. And, what do uh, you use normally? Uh, typically for, for halibut, for halibut it's going to be like cut bait. Like they use like salted herring and they just really get really stinky and funky. Oh. This is actually funny. Dude, I got a picture of this dude because it's funny and I'll post it because it's actually really funny. it's like halibut fishing. So they had, uh, actually I caught a big, big octopus too which was another one like like that's a five, pretty cool picture you foot, should post a picture of that on the deck foot, yeah five foot octopus that was a massive dude like massive and the captain was freaking out when i started like, I, I got like i didn't really feel anything like hook up like you know fish when you get a bite you can feel it right but this right. one it didn't feel like anything and i just started reeling it back up to kind of check my bait and it just felt heavy and i was like dude like what the hell's on the end of this thing and i brought it up and then right when it got to like color the captain was like oh get that thing on the boat you know it was a big big octopus and so we threw it on and we used that octopus for bait. So that was another bait. And that was a hot bait for the halibut. Just kind of was stinky and just funky. But anything that is really stinky, those those halibut, again, I was saying earlier, they like to eat on slack tide because there's so much water. So when there's a lot of water moving during the tides, they kind of lay on the bottom. You get a good scent trail going, kind of almost like a, like a chum line. Like you get a bunch of bait in the water, a bunch of this stinky herring and octopus and just funky stuff. And uh, they kind of start to move because they start to move in the direction of that stink. And then that slack tide is when the bite really starts to happen. And so you're fishing kind of like that either high tide or, or the, the slack wow. low tide. And so once you get a bunch of that scent in the water, they start to feed on it. And uh, it's, it's fun. And, you know, halibut, you know, we got in, I think the biggest one we got was like a 70 pounder, nothing too crazy. Right. But, right. you know, about that, I really think those fish. That's a good eater. So yeah, that like 40, 50, 60 pound are really, really good eaters. You know, we've gotten a couple hundred pounders, like they got it that like 250 where it's like a, you know, half the fish is like a four inch slab, dude. It gets kind of grainy though. They just, you know, the, the, it, the it's kind of a trophy, but it's not necessarily the best eating in my opinion. You know, yeah. I'm sure there's yeah. ways to prepare it and stuff, but, uh, 
I really like to kind of catch those like medium sized ones for up there. And, right. you know, a 40 pound halibut in California, California is like a trophy, right? Oh but my God. There, they're kind of like, that's the standard, you know, you kind of Jeez. go off of, um, but yeah, they dude, this is actually really fun. That's what I was going to say. I'll post a picture of it is they were, they were using WD 40 to scent the bait even more. What does WD 40 have in it? It has some sort of oil. The, what the type of oil that's in it, I think comes from an animal. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, they always, I, I was surprised because the guy I heard like, about the, this the deckhand was like, ago. you know, he was like bait and hook for you. And like, you know, he, he was like spraying the herring with and, and the octopus with WD 40. Wow. And I was like, and I, I can't describe the smell of WD 40, but everybody's probably smelled oh, it in for their sure. life. Yeah, everyone oh, yeah. smelt it and you know that smell. I could smell it right now. <laughs> and so he was spraying it and then just like, all right, you're good to go. And just would like, you know, you have like a, four pound weight five pound weight and you send this thing down and get down again we we're fishing about 250 feet and uh yeah that was like the hot ticket was wd-40 which is freaking weird you know i there's like a classic but thing, you like, eat that fish and i know man that's WD-40 a thing 40 <laughs> in it i'm gonna feed you some of that fish tonight dude little wd-40 fish <sighs> man i i don't know how i feel about that it's a little i actually like using the jigs more the jigs are more fun to use yeah. it's a lot more like it's a very active fishery when right you're jigging right uh the hits are unreal like the halibut just hit it you know really really hard that's sick but bait you know traditionally they use a lot of bait and stuff did you get a, a halibut on the mag 12 uh no i got one on a lead head i didn't get one on a mag 12 okay. but i was using the mag 12 a bunch you know i use it the link cod and the the yellow eye caught a couple of those on the the mag 12 okay. and it was awesome dude so shout out to kj you, your bait works buddy oh yeah um but yeah dude alaska's unreal dude we gotta go i gotta take you up there dude we've we've dialed it in and you know figured out the salmon runs figured out the technique for salmon figured out spots for salmon that's huge because yeah. it's like you you'd never know where oh to go, for sure you know yeah. and uh luckily you know by the time i got invited these guys had kind of figured it out and then now we've really taken it to another level and they stake some back, claim up there yeah coming back with uh you know 100 150 pounds of meat dude it's uh it's pretty unreal i had to buy another freezer this year so <laughs> it was it was cool but i would say dude Go to Alaska, dude. The place is rad. Or actually, don't go to Alaska. It sucks. I mean, a lot of people aren't going to go. It's far. <laughs> Think about it. That's a that's quite the expense of a trip, and you know, yeah, it's cool. And it's it breaks on the it higher up. end yeah, for expense. It, it breaks it up too from like kind of pelagics, which we kind of tend to focus on here in Southern California. Yeah, you know, your yellowtail, your dorado, your tuna, um, different tuna species and stuff, but. Yeah, dude, places places cool, man. I definitely got to get there one yeah. day. It's like it's it's a game changer. It opens up your mind to like what life what life is to me and kind of yeah. like the being in the outdoors. Like I want to go hunt up there. I want to go fish up there, dude. I, that's kind of like what well, yeah, for the, for all that for the outdoors and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's kind of what Baja did for for me for spearfishing. I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is what it could be like." <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, it's not too bad here in California, but in Southern California, but you know, we don't have it too bad, but they just got it better. Yeah, man. And I think like you go on those types of trips and, you know, I feel like I barely scratched the surface on that trip, but it just is something that it opens your mind to like what's possible out there and kind of we're interested in the outdoors, interested in kind of. Are you guys making your it. own food and stuff? Or like, no, when we go, go up there, go, no, we go to like, there's like, go out to restaurants we go to like, stuff. we go to Costco and stuff okay. and like go load up. Yeah. It's oh, like, okay. You know, we, so, it's like, there's a Costco in Anchorage. We stop there perfect. and we drive to the location where we go. So you're to making and so. steaks and yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. yeah. We eat well, but it's like, we fish like 18 hours a day. You're getting up at 3 a.m., go halibut fishing in the morning, fish for like eight hours on a halibut boat, kind of go back, have lunch and then go rinse off and go, go in the river and go salmon fish until you get your limit, you know? And like, there was days where we spent eight hours on the salmon river jesus there's other days where i got limited there was one day where there's a big run of salmon i limited in like five minutes so eight hours one day five minutes the next you know it just is it's wild it's all if there's fish there you're gonna catch them if they're not you're, you're not you're not yeah so you're wasting your time yeah place is rad but yeah we're gonna i'm gonna actually gonna i got a little salmon recipe for you that i'm cooking up tonight so we'll try it out real basic real simple but kind of like a asian style just uh just bake salmon I think you do it at like 350 for about 12 minutes uh get it cooked and then kind of glaze it with like a like asian like sweet chili mm. it's delicious dude. what's it's the really garnish good. the garnish you're gonna, <laughs> actually garnish is going to be a little cilantro sprinkled on the top oh, dude it's delicious i'm always concerned about the garnish so we're not gonna cook that up tonight man we'll do that lovely dude well shoot but uh speaking of which 
Is it dinner time? <laughs> you're getting hungry now. Dang, yeah, you talk like that, Jay. Ooh. Well, we'll be back. Dude. We, uh, we're happy to be back in the studio. Yeah, come bring is, some more uh, content, dude. Yeah, we, we'll get some more interviews lined up and get back into the swing of things. And, uh, you know, you got you got some some talking to do about your your arrow slinging. So, oh, yeah, man, you got some some arrows to be slung at some deer coming up <laughs> coming soon. up soon. Hopefully, hopefully soon. So, yeah, it's dove season right now, guys. We have a lot to talk about. Quail, season Quail season's coming up. The best the time of the year, dude. Fall lobster season. Lobster season coming up. Fall is here. But, yeah, lots more content coming your way. Thanks for checking us out. Check us out on Instagram, Free Range Tales. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll uh, catch you guys next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Free Range Tales podcast. We're having fun reliving some of our stories and hope you guys are too. Leave us a comment and let us know what you think. Also, check us out on Instagram at Free Range Tales. Thanks for listening. We'll check you next time.